Welcome to Obey the Grain podcast number seven. Lucky number seven. I didn't even think of that. We are moving right along with this thing, so we are uh, doing really well. So welcome, everybody. If this is your first episode, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, We have six more before it, and I hope they're very entertaining for everybody. We've been getting a lot of good feedback, and this is a podcast about woodworking, making, in general, uh, a little bit of slice of life in the middle of all that, I guess. Can we say that? Yeah. That's fair. So, um, and we are three friends that have gotten to know each other really well in the last couple of years, and we just, uh, we enjoy having conversations with each other, and we thought, why not record them? So, my name is Justin Dietrich. I am a woodworking woodshop teacher in Lincoln, Illinois. And with me are Tracy Chevron. Oh. Why are you always first? <laughs> I'm going to be first today. Katrina Nellis and Tracy Chevron. <laughs> we are. We are artisan, professional, top of the game. Woodworkers. Yes. Man. I'm trying to take now you're just time. I hate to see where this is gonna go in another few episodes, you're... right? <laughs> right. Now what well, now you're just at the pinnacle. I mean if we make epi- I can't wait for episode like five hundred to see what you're saying about yourself <laughs> then. You're gonna you're gonna go from this really humble, quiet couple to like this really egotistical, tyrannical, like woodworking couple that <laughs> cast judgment down on everybody. I can see it. I can see it. I, it it's, it's, we're just a couple episodes away from it, I think. So, and then you guys are going to boot me and just take it over. So, <laughs> we've created a monster. Just go around swatting tools and wood <laughs> out of people's hands and with our fly swatters. <laughs> Pterodactyl swatters. I could actually, for your classes, you know, no matter where you're at, you just basically have people come in and then you just berate them for a full day <laughs> <laughs> and tell them about how awful they are. Yep. Uh, that, oh, well, that, isn't that, well, you know, that would probably sell for a TV show. Like it was in a Hell's Kitchen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, actually, <laughs> here's a great idea. All right. I'm, I don't think Jimmy's listening, but Jimmy, if you are listening, Jimmy DeResta, here's my suggestion. Cause you know, he, he's on making it too, season two. Right. And right. I've seen a lot of people are kind of frustrated and upset because Jimmy's not getting enough attention. The problem is Jimmy's too nice. Like he needs to go all hell's kitchen on these people That's right. from a, sh- from a wood shop side. Like just when they bring him ideas, just berate them, verbally beat them down and then, you know, mock their stuff. I think that would, that would sell a show right there. That would totally sell. So yeah. Devaluing people. That's, that's what shows or that's what sells. So, all right. So Jimmy, if you are listening, there's my suggestion, buddy. So, um, okay, are you guys ready to get into our topic? Yeah. Maybe as we'll ever be. All right. So this is, I think this is a topic that we've kind of gotten into a little bit several times already. I'm sure it's going to be an ongoing topic for a while. The basic premise is kids these days, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> 
I and, tell you. The old man yell, yelling at kids to get off his lawn, basically. Um, we've had uh, a lot of the, a lot of conversations that we've led to typically end up getting back to the idea of like leading the next generation or promoting the next generation. And how do we get younger people um, into the trades, into woodworking, into art, into, you know, being creative and making and um, there's a it's I think this is going to be a really long conversation and I think it's going to be an ongoing one for us. But we're going to kind of um, bring it to a point a little bit today and we're going to talk about a couple things. So what do you guys um, I will uh, actually I do have a specific quote, though, that I want to read if you will bear sure, with me. Wonderful. Yeah, it's not just kids these days, I promise. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. All right. Here's the quote. And this is. Actually, this is from Socrates. So you guys, you guys probably didn't even know I knew how to say his name. What's that? You're going way back. Yeah, way, way back. back. To Ted. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ted. yeah. This is Socrates. from the right from the original Bill and Ted's Adventure. <clears throat> so, uh, but uh, yeah. So this is a quote, and I actually kind of read a couple things that there's. Like some people say that like Pluto said this and that Socrates was quoting him or teaching Plato? <laughs> Pluto. Pluto. So talking about a yellow cartoon dog? <laughs> no, not that one. So All right. <laughs> uh okay, so here we go. This is from Socrates. Um the children now love luxury. They have many bad manners, contempt for authority, they show disrespect for elders and love chatter and place of exercise. Children are now tyrants, now the servants of their households, or not the servants of their households. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents, chatter before company, gobble up dainties at the table, cross their legs, and tyrannize over their teachers. And that is from Socrates. And there's debate Whoa. on whether that was from Pluto or not, but uh, definitely um, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because our overall idea is kids these days, dot, dot, dot. And, you know, we bring up so many situations where, you know, I think is, as we've gotten a little bit older, we get frustrated with children. And here is a guy uh, I don't have, I can't remember when Socrates lived. I think it was like 300, 400 AD. Does that sound right? Uh, it might even be BC, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Right. It's a yeah, long I... time ago. <laughs> How about this? A really long time ago. So It was before the internet. <laughs> yes. It was before Al Gore and the internet. And um, I, uh, but no, I just, I think again, and it's along the lines a little bit of what we got into last week, but you know, here's somebody from like a long time ago, 1700 plus years ago, that was complaining about how children had no respect, you know, and like literally one of the greatest philosophers of all time. And I'm sure that maybe there's a little bit more backstory to that quote. But either way, I think it's really interesting that they were saying it 1700 years ago, you know, and here we are like saying the same thing about children now you know and it it's a 
it's the general go-to default comment about kids or, you know, or about millennials and about kids and stuff like that. When I think there's a whole more story to all of this. And I think it, that quote from 1700 years ago leads into like, puts a lot of light on what we complain about now. So what do you guys think? It's yeah. It hits the mark. I mean, the more things change, the more, where they stay the same. Yep. I mean, I'm, you know, getting, uh, getting up, up in there. years. Yeah. Long in the tooth. And you, know, you <laughs> find yourself thinking things about kids when they're thoughtless or. or guilty of driving down the road <laughs> well yeah we we'll see things like people that since we we're, we do all these uh traveling trips driving a lot and see weird things on the road like people will just stop in the middle of the lane of, of traffic and back up yeah. against traffic and, and make their turn okay. instead of you know Go around the block <laughs> or take the next exit. They just stop and back up because they don't Why not? have any idea what's going on around them, right? Like right. the world outside and, their car doesn't yeah. exist. So what, what do we say when we see that? Oh, we, we always uh, mention that that must be a millennial, right? Yeah. <laughs> Total disregard of the people yeah. around you. And it's, it's, that's yeah. what it is. Tongue in cheek. But, yeah. you know, is there a trend for young people being ever more thoughtless, disrespectful, whatever. Probably not. Maybe. Huh? We like to think that we weren't like that as you know, <laughs> yeah. young ones, but um, truth be told, we probably, we probably were. We, we remember ourselves how we want to be remembered. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> and uh, I can, and you know, I do, I do a lot of reflecting, I think, just naturally because I think when you're a teacher, when yeah. you're a coach, you're, you're natural. I'm, I'm always trying to put myself in uh, my student shoes or my athlete shoes. And I'm always trying to think like, okay, how would I handle that? How would I think of that? How would I talk about that? Or what would I say about that? And I'm, you know, I've been reminded several times in the last five, 10 years of like, oh yeah, I, I did that thing or I said that thing and that was really ignorant and stupid and you know and I was a fairly good student and did well in school and you know I was I would like to consider I would like to think that I was a polite and respectful person when I was that age but you know what I remember a handful of things that I did that I don't like talking about because I'm like man I either thought those things were funny or uh, I didn't realize you know, the effect that they might have on other people. And I did them anyways. And it's like, yeah, that was really disrespectful or that was really stupid or I really wish I had that one back, you know? And I think it's a natural progression of life that, uh, how about this idea? How about we were all stupid when we were 15 years old? Like we all do dumb things and we all make mistakes and, you know, it's easy to be in our 30s, 40s, 50s and look back and go, ah, kids these days. But I remember hearing those comments when I was that age and there were people before us. And I guarantee you that those guys that came back from World War II 
we're saying that about, you know, the guy when they were in their 40s and 50s, we're looking back at 15 year olds and saying these kids have no respect. You know, they had been through a war, you know, a horrible war. And they were looking back and thinking these kids don't even know how privileged they are. They look, those were the hippies that they were looking at. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I know exactly those kids with their long hair. They're just (laughs) incredible. Some things do change with time, though. We were back in our hometown um, in the old, what was our middle school. It was it was the original high school of the town built in like 1923. Was, oh, no, it's like the ni- like 1915. Oh, okay. Yeah. Old brick building, but it had been converted into a museum. And they had um, photos, like class, graduating class photos of, you know, from oh. the beginning. So starting from the 19-teens. And we were struck by how, like, old and just, like, these are 17 and 18-year-old kids, and they look like 30-year-olds do now. Yeah. You know, just lines in their faces. Well, they, <laughs> they, they, they were working hard from, you know, from birth, basically. Yeah. Yeah. This is the Midwest, and that's what it was like. But I'm sure they still, you know, for all the lines in their faces, still did dumb stuff that kids do, you know. Oh, yeah. And so there's, I, I don't know, I've got, we're not going to get to everything today. And this is going to probably have to be another subject that we pick up another time. But um, another thing, though, is that I'm so thankful that I did not grow up in this time. And that's not a knock on kids. <laughs> it's the knock on society and just a little bit of the state, of, not so much the state of the world, but really uh, at this level of technology, there is yeah. no, there is no documentation of stupid things that I said, or, uh-huh. the, you know, there's no stupid videos of me um, doing dumb things, you know? And so, you know, just don't run for public office, Justin, and you're good. But they'll probably <laughs> find them then. I'm sure like, they'll, there'll be like a, a VHS tape pop up of when I was like 10 years old, <laughs> if I ever do, oh, you know, and I'll be like, I completely adventure? forgot oh, about that, cool. you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, we're, we're living in a world now. And I, I tell my students this, that I'm like, you guys are just, you're growing up in a completely different world than I grew up in. And, yeah. you know, and, and it's the weird thing. I think the weird thing about it is that it's happened in such a short amount of time that this, you know, technology and internet has really changed life so much in literally 15 to 20 years time is just drastic change. And we've we've had that exact same conversation talking about like uh, the difference between like we pick any, any time frame, like 20 years, the difference between 1960 and 1980, the difference between 1940 and 1960, but Mm -hmm. the difference between 1980 and 2000 or yeah. 2000 to 2020 that i mean you can look at at how society has changed and most of it is technology based um yeah. the internet when that came about you know in the mid 90s like it just changed everything and in fact my brother and i are only three years apart and so he I graduated in 96 and he graduated in 99. We didn't have the internet at school in high school. When I was in high school, I had to use the card catalog to do my research papers. <laughs> and he had the internet by the time he yeah. was a senior in high school. Yeah. And, and it, it was huge. 
I mean, and that just that changed everything. Yeah, you're you're right because I I graduated in '01, and it was about halfway into my high school when years when they were really pushing it hard. And mm-hmm. I remember here's to tell how stupid I am. I remember uh, when they like walked us into the library and they're like, "Okay, this is a computer. This is <gasps> called web crawler." This is email. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, this is dumb. This is not going to catch mm-hmm. on. Why would I w- have to go to a computer to send an email to somebody when all I have to do is write it in a note and go to the post office? Like, why? This yeah. is so stupid. I had that same thought when I'm, I was a freshman in college. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, like the second or third person in a week had asked me if I had, you know, What's an email. email. And I remember thinking to myself, I can't wait till this email fad passes. This is getting annoying. <laughs> Meanwhile, the the all the computer nerds are just sitting on a beach drinking margaritas right now and yeah, <laughs> we're right. Like right. making spoons, trying to scrape by. So, but that's man, that's funny though. But I, um, it is really ironic though, and it's so crazy. And I personally believe like right now you know maybe a hundred years from now when we look back you know maybe they're gonna look back at this time as like the quote-unquote wild west of the internet you know as far as like you know things are so wide open or you there is so much opportunity both on good and bad you know i think it's things are wide open Mm -hmm. but it's a classic double-edged sword you know in terms of the benefits versus the the pitfalls of i mean there's a lot of awareness now about um, self-image issues with young kids, you know, because the ability yeah. to compare yourself to everyone all the time. Right. I and- mean, it, yeah, I, I, I've thought about that too. You know, like when I was a teenager, I had the the whole self-loathing teenage angst stuff and, and girls, can, especially I think with girls, but boys do it too. Um, but, you know, girls looking at themselves and saying, oh, I'm not as pretty as her. But now you've got, this social media and oh I you're absolutely right Justin in fact I wrote an email to Tracy a long time ago that said you know I missed some things from high school we had a really kind of uh high school situation when we were there and um I missed some things I'd like to go back and fix you know or redo and just relive some of those moments but um not not today Oh heck no! It I yeah, social yeah. media having to navigate all that stuff as a young person. Yeah, yeah, and and you saying that too. I've even I know um, some students that I have right now. You know, high school kids right now that they're they're pretty intelligent kids. They're pretty dialed in, um, and they're they're socially um, very confident people, and they. They talk to me, they ask me questions about like the eighties and nineties and they're like, what was it like? You know, and they're, and I think the kids that are a little bit more ahead of some of the others socially understand, they do see, um, the negative, the negative pitfalls of, um, social media and internet. And they see that like, this all isn't good. And, um, I specifically have one student that's a senior right now. And he's, it's so fun. Like he collects vinyl records. Um, he like loves eighties and nineties music. And he just kind of really drawn to that time era. And he, you know, he knows 
how important it is not to build relationships just through a phone. And so, you know, and then I'm thinking like, well, think about the forethought for a high school kid to figure that out. You know, it just, that was just the way of life for us. But this is a kid who has all this luxury and who has all this opportunity right there to just sit on your phone and, and not be dialed into people. And he understands the importance of it, you know, and now Grant, that's a really top kid. He's going to go do really big things in the world, but um, you know, I've, there kids see it, you know, they're not dumb. And so to just group them all into one's, you know, section and say like, Oh, all of these kids are just, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how easy they have it. They, there are some that do, you know, and it's, it's always surprised me uh, sitting in, you know, being a teacher, I was to have kind of a, it's not unique. There are lots of teachers out there, but I don't know that they all pay attention. I know I'd be talking to my, my coworkers sometimes and they'd complain, they'd say the same thing. It'd be kids these days. And, and I'm, I'm like, but uh, I remember being that age, but sometimes I'd be having a discussion and I was a math teacher, but oftentimes we, we would stop class and we would talk about social issues. We would talk about um, current events and how, how kids think about them, how they feel about it. And they would surprise me with their depth of thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. I would never have thought because I remember being that age and I don't remember thinking like, like they do. So social media and the internet has also allowed them to see more of the world. Oh yeah. See more of those, those global events that stuff that happened on that same scale. When we were kids, you had to read about it in a newspaper. And that was access to kind of unfiltered voices too. Yeah. Yeah. When, we were that age, anything you would come across in media or print or whatever would have been, you know, filtered through the corporate approval office of yep. whatever. And now you just have random people with blogs and what, you know, podcasts. Podcasts. Yeah. The potential to just be exposed to a wider range of Opinions. ideas and more, more critical yeah. thoughts and so forth is there, but it's also a dump truck of information that can be hard to, to yeah, yourself. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so to kind of tie this in with what we do, and, you know, I think we've both shared stories before of different situations, but I, I can tell you in, in high school in the wood shop, um, the kids that I come across, I mean, and look, I'm, I see 80 to 90 students a day. They're all not dialed in. You know, I, I sometimes think that like sometimes people that follow along with me on Instagram or something like that, they think that like I have all of these kids like, you know, perfectly aligned and following along. They're all not dialed in. You know, I mean, they've some in some days uh, one kid's great. And then the next day he comes in with the bad attitude or something like that. That happens. But overall, what I see as a really positive thing is that I, I have students that I know are failing um, some other classes. Maybe they're failing a math class or English class or just not doing well, or they don't like being at school. There's, I have a lot of students, I shouldn't say a lot, but I have some students that just do not like being there. Um, And then when you kind of look into their backstory, you're like, man, 
uh, this kid is going through more right now uh, than I've went through in my life, you know, in my 37 years. And they're 15 years old and they're having to deal with some real, real issues that I wouldn't hope on my worst enemy. But what I've noticed is that when it comes to making, when it comes to working with your hands, sometimes even the worst, what you think might be the worst of students, they get into the wood shop and they have a chance to create, you know, and they have a chance to control their outcome on a project based on how hard they work at it. And I've seen students, again, failing classes, doing bad. And and Katrina, as a teacher, you know, you've heard, well, you you need to be a bell-to-bell teacher, you know, a bell-to-bell. You know, you're teaching when they walk into the bell, and then you're teaching up to the bell. And I will tell you that it's... (laughs) Katrina, over here. (laughs) And I can tell you that in the wood shop, the students that sometimes are failing other classes, they're the bell to bell students because they, yeah. they walk in and they walk in, they walk into their locker, they grab their project that they were working on yesterday and they're working on it before the bell even rings. You know, they're yeah. excited to get into that room and they're excited to, to make progress. And because now they have something that they can control and that they, they can sit, be yeah, successful. Yes, they have ownership of it. And I've really, uh, I, I've fought this notion a little bit as a teacher, but I don't interject on their projects. And some of them don't always turn out good. Uh, there's some of them that aren't good at all, even by a stretch of an imagination. But I want them to own it, you know. And uh, I can attribute it to my five-year-old in kindergarten, uh, who comes home and brings home a picture that he drew in class or colored a picture or something like that. And, you know, you can tell that he did it and I love it. And I just, it's him and it's all of his personality into that picture or into that, you know, thing that he drew. And it's like, I don't want a picture that the teacher colored for him, you know, that looks perfect. I want to see what he did. And then I want to see him improve on that, thing from yesterday and no matter you know I'm I'm uh, fortunate enough to be in a position where you know daily I get to work with a younger generation Um, you know you guys have done that and into your classes and stuff like that and you have neighbor kids come up to you and for anybody listening you know you're there's mentorship opportunities everywhere there's it's not just you don't have to be a high school teacher to go do these opportunities. And it um, doesn't have to be anything formal either. It, no, 100% correct. I just wait for the kid, the person to show up in a, you know, a curiosity to explore something. And the person that, there's one right sitting next to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see yourself as a kid? <laughs> oh, you're cute. No, I just mean um, there there are formal there are organizations that will foster mentorship opportunities and that kind of thing. Or there's just go just walk up to somebody, right? If you're the kid and you see somebody in your neighborhood doing something, just go talk to them. Yeah, and and to people on the other side of that, you know, um, if you're a woodworker and you got a neighbor kid. You know, maybe you're a grandpa, grandma, whatever. Um, 
bring you know bring kids in don't don't be closed minded and a, a one note i wrote down last night when i was thinking about this stuff and i was looking into it is uh the quote unquote real woodworkers of the world you know the uh-huh. the people that like to sit on their high chair and cast judgment down on you know like well that can, you know why would you do that that way that is so stupid it's like well get off your chair and help teach them yeah. somebody you know there's that's what you're here for your job is to pass this knowledge off because we keep talking about well you know there's nobody that wants to do it well guess what we've created the world that we're living in you know we're the adults here you know and we're we're the ones that control the situation and, and kind of one of the things that I kind of scoff at are when I see an adult start going off like kids these days, they don't, they don't, you know, they don't know the value of respect. They don't value, you know, elders. They don't. All they do is complain. Right. All they do is complain. Well, guess what? We've created the world they're living in. You know, we are the ones, we are the adults raising these children. And, you know, my two boys now they're five and three. And guess what? Now you're 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 talking about my kids now also, you know, so when people say kids these days, well, now you're also talking about my children. And I'm I think that my boys are going to grow up right, you know, and we're doing a good job, the best job that we can with them. And but that's my job to do. And that's not somebody else's job. It's my job to teach them respect and it's my job to teach them hard work and if they don't know that, then I failed. They didn't fail. And so I, I just think that I kind of roll my eyes when I meet people that make comments like that because it's like, well, what have you done to help that kid? Because they're just a kid. You know, they don't know. Even if they're 15, they're still just a kid. And they're still very uh, in a situation where they're moldable. And, you know, but we've, we've met some amazing young people in the maker community that just like not not only in terms of being generally intelligent mindful and all that but very creative i mean multi-talented that kind of stuff so i have no i mean i I think the world's going to be better in the hands of the the zoomers than it (laughs) than it was in our hands if if anything i mean there there are always going to be those people who are creators and not consumers at heart. And I think I, I'm going to interject here. Yeah. Creators and not consumers. The world wants to, you know, put you into that position of being a, a consumer. You know, you're going to support the economy. You're going to buy talk. this. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to consume entertainment. You're going to consume, you know, food and clothing and all these things that support the economy. But, what's missing, you know, in that paradigm is the human need to create. And a lot of that's with our hands, but it's, you know, it's also just having your own original thoughts. And, and that, that's something that I would always, always say, it's not just creating, but it's also thinking. And I got a lot, I'd ask the kid, you know, what do you think about this? And instantly they say, I don't know. Like I'm allowed to think and for I, myself. I would tell them, I would say, I know you don't know. I want to know what you think and there's no right. There's no wrong. I want to know what are you thinking about this? What do you feel about this? You have thoughts. I don't know what they are because I'm not telepathic. 
So share them, share your thoughts, share your. And you can see the trepidation there too of, of well, having the wrong answer. And right? what does that come back to? It, yeah. The way society is, is you are supposed to fit inside of this nice, pretty little mold. You're supposed to be a cog in the machine. You need to come into class. You need to sit down. You need to sit, 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 listen, listen, listen. And that's all you do. You're supposed to go to work. You're supposed to clock in. You're supposed to be office space in your cubicle. That's what you're supposed to do. No, tear down that cubicle wall, just like he did in office space. Tear it down <laughs> and make your own world. And Justin, you're so right. I would do projects with with these kids and I would see students who had never had any, and I'm in a math classroom. This is like the dreaded classroom for every student who hates school. This They hated math forever. And we would do projects. I remember specifically, and this is, this is a relatively low level project for high school. Uh, but that's where my kids were. That's where my students were mathematically. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to teach them a project for algebra two because they don't know how to do it. I'm going to go all the way back to middle school math and build them up from there. Mm -hmm. So we did this scaling project and they would take a, a candy bar box. Uh, I got these like, um, uh, like Skittles, those boxes you can get at Walmart or whatever. And they had to scale them up and make them huge. And they had to draw the pictures and do all that stuff. And I would see students come into class who had never been on task. And they would, just like you said, Justin, before the bell even rang, they would get their project out and start working on it. And that was incredible. And I'm, I'm like, I win. I win for the whole year just yeah. on this one day. Well, you, you gave them a chance to win. You know, you didn't, right. you know, you didn't um, put something impossible in front of them. You gave them a chance to exactly. be successful. And no matter where they're at, you know, we're all not in the same place. And, and one of my, yeah. one of my favorite uh, things that, um, and it, it's a, uh, it's a political cartoon, but it's a picture of I think it's if I'm I'm just going off memory it's a picture of a desk a per, a guy sitting at a desk and there's like an elephant there's a giraffe there's a fish in a fishbowl there's a monkey there's like I don't a snake or something like that and below it the cartoon it says standardized testing or the educational system's yeah. idea of standardized testing and the guy is looking at all the animals and he says now, we will be testing you on all of your ability on how to climb this tree that's right next to them. And, you know, there's like an elephant in there and stuff like that. And it's like, we are all different. And to just sit here yeah. and box us in and say, look, this is the one way to be intelligent. And if you don't figure this out, you don't understand. Well, then that's where you create kids shut off. Kids will shut yep. down, you know. And so I, when I see a kid that is shut down, they're not shut down because they want to be shut down. Kids want to be included. They want to be involved in something, you know, whether it's a sport or a club or an activity. And I'll tell you, they, they don't want to be on their phones or playing video games all day long. They have went to that stuff because it's the default. It's the only thing they can do where nobody maybe is either yelling at them 
or um, discouraging them, or just, you know, like, like a lack of opportunities to explore. So I know yeah. when I was a kid and I'm not saying this is how it should be all the time, but or in every case, uh, when I was in like between kindergarten and first grade in a little town I lived in, I would leave the house in shorts in the morning and not come home until I got hungry. <laughs> My mom didn't know where I was, but I was trusted to fend for myself. You know, I just, I found uh, adventure on a daily basis. I, I mean, I went, I crawled through drainage culverts. I mean, I climbed trees. I mean, it, who knows what I, you know, went tromping along creeks and made my own fishing poles. And they're like, you just, they're not allowed to go have adventures anymore because I, it, for some reason, this is the problem that adults have created that it's not safe. Like there's this, I, I think this excessive, uh, about safety and now that you can tether your you know uh your child with a phone you can know where they are all the time our parents now who my mom who didn't care where i was when i was in kindergarten all day long you know frets over where we are when we're traveling the teacher whatever right be sure to call me let me you made it it's it's crazy my both of my parents called yesterday and and said the same thing be safe. You need to be safe. And I'm like, uh, I took, when I was 16 years old, I took a, a really long drive without GPS, without a map with my friend who was 17 and And an old car, old car that could break down at any moment. (laughs) And we made it, we made it just fine. And I don't think they were concerned, not one bit back then, but yeah. Yesterday, they called, be safe on the road. There's all kinds of crazy people. I want to know where you are. Make sure you text us and, and tell us where you are. And so in, inadvertently, we we discourage exploration, right? Because of yeah. worry about yeah. safety. And that, that stifles creativity. I mean, and if you're, if you're a kid and you're not allowed to, like, leave your street, or if you have to put on, you know, basically full body armor to get on your bike... <laughs> Like the energy barrier to go take a ride is too great. You know, I'm not putting on knee and elbow pads and a helmet. And- yeah. They're like, I just want to go ride my bike. <laughs> like, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, you might crash. You'll learn about gravity and friction. A, a long kind of a, a step off of that a little bit is something that I um, I talk about it a lot with my students and with my wrestlers. Uh, I, I'm – I talk about this stuff with my boys right now. They're five and three, and I want to put this stuff in their heads right now. So when they get to 12 and 14, it's not foreign to them. But the idea um, of that you're, you're going to fail, you know, there's going to be failure. And Katrina, you were talking a few minutes ago about uh, kids not really realizing that they can have an answer or a thought to something. Or being afraid to give the wrong answer. I see kids like that all the time, daily. I see kids who are afraid to say anything or afraid to, you know, just throw themselves out there because they're worried that it's going to be wrong. And I think a little bit of that is from, you know, uh, the Internet being able to stifle any arguments of whether what, you know, uh, a right or wrong answer. You know, you can just Google everything right now and just have an answer within like 10 seconds of, you know, there's no forethought or maybe an argument sometimes that people need to make. And 
the idea that you're going to fail, you're going to try for things and you know, you're not going to fail because failure is when you quit. That's when you fail, but you're going to, to kids though. And to some adults, that's what they see is they see that like, Oh, well, little Johnny didn't make the baseball team. So this is a failure. It's like, well, no, not really. I mean, go, you know, take from it. Don't make it a negative thing. Like take this, you know, if he didn't make the baseball team and he wanted to, then he's got two options. Either he, if he really wants to play baseball, either go work harder and, and figure out ways to get better. Um, or maybe this leads into something else and creates more opportunity into something else for him. Maybe he finds he doesn't yeah. like baseball anymore. And maybe he finds yeah, or, it either yeah, wants they, to play a different sport or just exactly. maybe finds he's out that he wanted to yeah. Right. Maybe they wanted to get a musical instrument. Maybe this is the time he buys a guitar, you know? And so just this idea of like shel- sheltering our kids from neg from like losing and failing is, is just the wrong thing. And um, we need to encourage them. And when they do, if they do lose, if they do get beat, if they do um, not do well on a test, don't, you know, don't teach them to go blame someone else or go find outside of them what the problem is. Teach them how to handle it and move from there. Uh, so when my son was young, uh, he was mathematically advanced. And so he didn't really do a lot of math at school. He came home after school and did math. And everything for him at school was always so easy. And so I would actually purposefully give him problems to make him so that he could experience that failure and Mm. then learn from that. How do you handle failure? Well, you don't throw your pencil down and crumple your paper and have a little temper tantrum. No, Mm -hmm. you get the big eraser, you erase it and you start again. And I would say that to my students, what's the worst thing that happens if you do this problem wrong, you have to erase it. Oh, we'll just get a big eraser. You're good. We're all good. That's why we do math and pencil. Well, and, and with social media, with the internet, we've created um, instant gratification for kids. Yes. We've created instant gratification where it's like within, you know, five to 10 minutes, if you're not enjoying something, you need to stop it and go move on. And like Tracy, you were talking about exploring all day long and just giving yourself a full day when you were young to go explore things and try new things. Um, that's exactly what you were doing is you were learning how to kind of fend for yourself. You were learning how to be independent. You were learning to go chase the things that you enjoy doing and, and work at them. Yeah. I, I hate being kid. I mean, the boxing in with rules and concerns and, and all that, that there, there are these tight parameters on what's okay. And a few years ago, it, it really struck me in my neighborhood. We live in a slightly depressed neighborhood here. And uh, there, a, a house had been torn down and it was just a, a pile of, I mean, it had just been bulldozed into a pile, right? And there was a swarm of kids like between four or five and maybe 10 or 12. There's like a dozen or more kids climbing all over this pile. You know, there's like studs with nails sticking out of them and broken glass and everything in there and this one one kid had like a i don't know some kind of tool like a broken pickaxe or something and he's beating on stuff 
And I was like, yes, because I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen something like that in so long. And I didn't realize that, you know, I, I was, you know, I just had driven by that. And I had to think about why did I, why was that so gratifying for me to see that? And it's because <laughs> there's this giant, it's a literally a mountain of a hazard. <laughs> and these kids are just in there. I mean, finding stuff, treasures, whatever, you know, they're going to build a fork in there. And it, it just reminded me of that freedom of being young and not having rules and exploring. I mean, I did so many things where I could have gotten killed as a kid, but you know, you learn about danger. You learn, I mean, accidents can always happen. Even when you, with the excessive focus on safety, there are always things. And if I may, it's, you always have to interject a little tangent, right? For all of our, you know, and I'm talking about the adult world of our excessive focus on safety. One of the most unsafe things to do is drive cars at high speed, right? <laughs> yeah. While looking at a screen and not the road which is the mm -hmm. same people that seem to <laughs> harp so much about safety are driving around looking at screens half the time. And mm -hmm. we see kids with their kids in the car or people with their kids in the car yeah. looking at their damn screen. Now, pardon me for getting a little upset about that, but yeah. Um, so it, it's uh, this excessive or insane focus on safety while doing the things that are the least safe. Right. Yes. And I think yeah. they're, they're, perhaps that irony is not, you know, uh, random or accidental there. I think it's somehow displaced from the things we are doing. I mean, as collectively, right, as a society, I would also get harassed when I would I would commute by bicycle to my job before I did this. And the number of people that would stop, they'd see me with a bike helmet on or carrying a bike in. Isn't it dangerous when they drove on the interstate, right? Yeah. <laughs> Or there's a yeah. crash almost every morning. So, yeah, there's. I'm on the junk pile. I'm in the junk pile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I just think that, and again, this is a conversation that we could probably go on for quite some time, but, but I think in general, um, you know, and I, you guys have seen, you know, and been around the boys and stuff, and I, I can tell you if anybody's listening and you have, you're around young children, even four or five years old, um, they like, you know, I've, I'll supervise and I help them, but they like being in the wood shop. And sometimes, you know, and I'm obviously, I'm not just going to let them like, Hey, go, uh, walk over to the rate, walk over to the disc sander here and start saying in this piece of wood, you know, it's, you have to supervise, you know, you can't just turn them loose in a wood shop, but, the one thing that both boys have done, they love sitting on the shave horse with me and using a spoke shave. You know, that's a really good safe tool to use and kind of teach them. And I, I sit there with them and I kind of control it and make sure they're not, you know, cutting into themselves or anything. But just I want them to be confident in order to uh, go into that and, and not be afraid of it, not see it as a thing of like a negative thing or something to be scared of, but something that can be fun and enjoyable and they can, you know, maybe it'll lead on to different ideas. Yeah. Well, just the idea itself that if you want to make something, there are tools. And if, I mean, if you want to make a computer, if you want to make yep. a wooden spoon there or or you want to restore a classic car. There's all kinds of cool stuff to do that's not looking at a screen. 
And you can probably find someone not too far away who's into that kind of thing and would love to teach you too. But I will say that for those kids, I'm going to use my 16 year old as an example. You're talking about making a computer. My son has blown my mind and he has gone out of his way to acquire the necessary tools and he uses the technology that we have. Uh, YouTube taught him how to fix his broken Wii. He knew he had to buy a certain tool. So he went online and he, he has a PayPal account where he can buy stuff um, <laughs> for himself, tools for himself. You had to have a special screwdriver. So he bought that special screwdriver so he could fix his Wii. And he has learned how to take apart his controllers. He, he now builds computers and he finds the parts he needs and he uses the technology to teach himself, which we didn't have access to. And that's where I see, you know, we've been sitting here saying, oh, technology, maybe, and we're pretty much uh, anti anti-technology well not anti but it's just it's a double-edged sword <laughs> yeah. where right. it has benefits and like isaac he he wants to inform himself and he jumps on there he finds the the tools and information he, he needs and, and it's there but you can also get into the whole paralysis by analysis of too much information and not able to decipher what you need and right. or or getting into um being intimidated by complex builds other people have done there's a so there's a lot of ways to psych yourself out with it or to hone in on what you're trying to do. Embrace it and use it appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and kind of from what I hear there, it sounds to me like you might have a, a retirement plan, Katrina. Oh, man. <laughs> I do nothing but, think, well, to have an IT guy yeah, in the he, family, that'd be awesome. I know. <laughs> That's not me. It's very much not me. In fact, when... When they were here, when my boys were here visiting last, our computer broke down and I'm like, I got to get, he, my son was asleep and I'm like, no, he's got to get up. <laughs> we need this fixed. And he went, and it was fixed. It's magic. <laughs> and that it, it blows my mind. But what, what really blows my mind is that he's taken it upon himself to teach himself. It's an active pursuit. It's not a passive right. consumption of you know, entertainment or that kind of thing. He gets so excited finding um, my mom has saved like every computer since 1985 and they're in her garage. <laughs> and oh, he yeah. is so excited when he sees those. He's like, he's thinking about all the things that he can do with it, uh, how he can, you know, revitalize it and rejuvenate it. And it's, it's like, it's coming back to life. And I, I, I'm getting goosebumps because it totally... Uh, is it, I just love that so much. Oh, that's I love awesome. Any young person be excited about making something. And when we, I'm going to mention at makers camp, there was this kid and I don't know, he was like 14, 15, 16. And I was in the blacksmith tent and he was just going at it. He was crushing it. I mean, literally crushing the metal, but he was just, so into it and so excited and he he couldn't wait to go home and try these new things and to to learn more and that just it gives me hope for 
for the future. Like, I think, you know, society's going to be okay. We've got kids like this. And yeah, there are a lot right. of them. Yeah, right. I mean, there's, and it's really, we really didn't get into it probably um, maybe as much as we should have or could have as far as this specific conversation today. But um, yeah, kids and make they want to make stuff with their hands. They want to get involved. They want to be in the middle of it. And when they see um, an adult or a mentor uh, positively living their life through something like that, they, they want to have those things. You know, they want to have that knowledge. And like every now and then I'll kind of, if I get some time in the shop down at school, I'll try and just do a project for myself. Like you guys, you might've seen the, the flannel plaid bowl that I turned a few weeks ago. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, kids, so, you know, some of my students were doing segmented bowls at that time, you know, they were just taking random scraps of, of wood, whatever we could find, gluing it, playing in it and gluing them back together and stuff like that. And they saw that and they were like, how did you, I don't get, you know, they were trying to figure it out, like how I did it. And it was just like, you know, and I was able to show them and, but that's the way that you got to get them, you know, you got to show them like, Hey, here's, you know, stuff. And so now they've turned some segmented bowls. And so now they want to like take it to the next step, which is maybe do a pattern or do stuff like that. So, you know, you just got to keep them, keep them reaching, keep them moving. So the yeah. one, uh, I do want to make one comment before we kind of finish up here. And cause we talked about it a few times, we hit on it a few times. Uh, and this honestly could be a conversation of its own, but uh, it is easy on social media or on today's internet is to compare yourself to other people, comparison mm -hmm. to other people, comparison, you know, in our world, like other, maybe another shop, you know, and sit there and be like, Oh man, look at their shop. Look at their tools. Look at, look at the people they're around. Look at who they're hanging out with. Look, you know, look at all the things they have. And two, uh, two thoughts come to mind. One is you never know. Um, what people, you know, everybody's trying to live the best version of their life, you know, and we've all, we haven't been dealt the same uh, hand, you know, we haven't been dealt the same hand uh, in the card game. And the other thing is just one quick thing and somebody that I kind of follow and listen to um, that he talks about is do not compare yourself with other people today compare yourself to the person you were yesterday. And so I think the idea is, you know, you need to think about like, am I better than I was yesterday? Did I make a step forward than I did from yesterday? Because we're all not on the same linear timeline of each other, you know, and so comparison to each other, it's easy to do. And, you know, I get caught up in it and see stuff that other people have. And I'm like, oh man, but that's a good reminder of, um, you know, compare yourself to the person you were yesterday and try and be better than that today. That's really good. Yeah. So, um, I thought, uh, real quick before I forget, cause I forgot last week, um, before we finish up here, uh, I did want to read a review that we do have from a few weeks ago. Sorry. I forgot to do it for like the last week or so. Um, and also, I am upset with our listeners, too, with our – for anybody who's been listening to the podcast. 
is we are looking for more reviews. Give us quotes, give us comments, and we will read them here on the podcast. Uh, this we're one, not afraid. We're not afraid of failure. We're not afraid. Right. We've got thick skin. Open we can handle up. it. Bring that's it. Right. Right. Give us a five star review first, and then destroy us in the comments. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no. But I have. I've still been getting messages and stuff like that on Instagram or from people that just say they're keeping up and they're really enjoying the conversations we're having and things we're talking about. And so yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, this one is from uh, from Pause Treasures, Bill Puccio, right? Bill. That's how we say mm-hmm. his last name. So, Bill, we've we've all met Bill out in New York. Uh, Bill is awesome, and we shouted his we shouted his daughter out a couple weeks ago, or she was helping a friend, right? Yeah, uh, I think her cousin. Yes. Yeah, she was raising money for a friend, and there there's another example, like ah, kids these days. Like, here's this little girl like doing a great job and helping a friend out, you know. And like you said, Katrina, I I think we're going to be okay. So, but anyways, here is Bill's review of our podcast. Um, Bill says, because I have actually met all of the hosts in person and I have been bowled over by their genuine kindness, ability to explain their passions, and of course, level of craftsmanship. These folks live 100% of what they preach. The word preach is suitable because they are evangelical about their commitment to quality work and sharing their knowledge. If you ever have the opportunity to spend time with any of them by taking a class or meeting them at an event, you'll see what I mean. If life doesn't afford you an opportunity like that, then listening to them is a pretty good substitute. I can't wait to see where this podcast goes. The depth of knowledge and commitment to craft for all of them is immeasurable. Great job. Keep up the great work. So, Bill, thank you. And letters you, eight miles so much, high. Bill. Too kind. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And if you and Bill is like one of the nicest people I've ever met. So he's he absolutely a, one of the nicest people. Yes, a very genuine person, and um, he's a teacher as well. So uh, teaches yeah. in New York, I believe, New York City. Yeah. I think so. Um, but Bill's an awesome guy and doing amazing things himself, and um, just another good person to meet and been a lot of fun so bill we do appreciate the review and i am challenging more people to get on there and leave us a review and let us know what you think so um do you want to do our do-gooder shout outs yeah we can do a real quick do-gooder um our do-gooder this week is so we grew up in wichita kansas is an art collective collective a group of about seven to nine artists in various media. Um, there's fiber artists, graphic artists, uh, printmakers, etc. And they have uh, a lot of murals. So there are some, it's many people probably don't know, Wichita is the largest city in Kansas. I know a lot of people think it's Kansas City, but it's not. It is Wichita and there are low rundown areas. And they are oftentimes commissioned by businesses or organizations to paint large murals to help lift up the city, to bring the city back. And, and some of it they actually do uh, without compensation. I know they have done murals 
a, a handful of murals for the juvenile detention center. And because, I mean, you're dealing with kids right there and these are kids in, and families in dire circumstances, you know, how did they get there? I don't know. But these paintings that are inside and outside of this building, maybe that can help someone. Maybe that yeah. can make them feel like they're not alone. I, yeah, just to say a little bit about that. Regarding the public spaces as um, disposable or, I don't know, uh, not worth beautifying, it, it's terrible. I, yeah. I would see, you don't see it a lot when you drive cars all the time, but if you walk or ride a bike in cities, you see how much litter there is in the, in the gutters and stuff. And it's disgusting. And I really applaud anybody who is making a point to, up, to lift up, to beautify those public spaces with murals or that kind of thing. There's a guy that near here who in it, like he just plants flowers in a little, uh, triangle of grass off the on an off-ramp right so that kind of stuff but brick brick mobs awesome brick mob is the name of the group their instagram is at brick mob brick up and they are a fantastic group of artists but they do a lot of cool t-shirts and stuff too that they you do t-shirts yeah. yes they what was that what was the handle again brick mob brick up all one word All right. And yeah. Yeah. They they do a lot of really good stuff. So like I they did the juvenile center and the child advocacy center and did, other other places around the city. Did you guys not share something from them recently on Instagram? Uh, um, I might I, have. I, I feel like. I don't know. Well, I feel like I've seen something and I've seen their Instagram page. I feel. Like I've seen that. I don't know. I'm gonna have to go look them up oh. though. But I feel like I've seen it. So yeah, you should check it out. They do a lot of really cool stuff, and I I particularly like their art. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So my do gooder is uh, it's a person, uh, somebody that I just I follow on Instagram. I have not met this person. I will be honest though, he is the kind of uh, the inspiration behind today's topic a little bit because he had posted something a little while ago about. Uh, a younger person, a student um, in his area, like raising money, raised a lot of money for like um, some children on an art project or something that they auctioned off. But uh, the person I'm going to shout out is Dave Turner. He is uh, the wooden whale co is his Instagram handle. Um, he's, he makes wooden whales. Um, he hand carves wooden whales, like, uh, like humpback whales, sperm whales. I think I've seen him maybe do like a swordfish in there or something. He lives out on the East Coast, I think off the top of my head, Long Island area. And um, Dave is just, he's, he's a really good follow on Instagram because he's funny. Um, and I've often, I've joked with him before. I'm like, I don't know if I follow you for the whales and I stay for the jokes or if I follow you for the jokes and I stay for the whales. I haven't figured it out yet, but he's a really good dude. And um, I actually have one of his whales um, in our house. Uh, we got one from him this fall, and it's it's beautiful. It's really cool. Um, that whole East Coast uh, vibe thing with whales, you know, there's a lot of nautical themes out there. 
And I'm kind of like infatuated with that type of stuff. <laughs> Being a uh, Midwestern farm boy here where there's no oceans or large <laughs> sea creatures to be seen. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of like intrigued by that, all of that uh, nautical themed stuff. So I've always enjoyed it, but he is a really good follow. And again, his, uh, his Instagram is at uh, the wooden whale co. And um, anyways, I think if you follow him and he does, he'll, he'll do auctions and stuff where he'll auction off a whale and donate the money to um, charities and things of that nature. So give him a follow, say hello and uh, really good person. So um, do you guys have anything else? You, uh, you guys are leaving tomorrow, you said? Yeah. So after we get done here, we are headed uh, to the basement to pack more totes, find more wood, throw it in the trailer and the van. And tomorrow morning we will be heading to, uh, we won't get all the way there, but we're heading to Baltimore first. All right. So best of luck in all your endeavors of the underpants woodworking gnomes. (laughs) I, I pray that you can have, uh, great profit i don't know how you're gonna get it but i hope that you right. can, you know get wood what what was your philosophy it's three it's a three-part plan wood question mark profit <laughs> it's very cogent it's that simple it's and and it's and it works so don't stray away from it but no i hope you guys <laughs> Hope you guys have a a really safe trip and enjoy your time out there and enjoy, you know, the season that you're about to embark on. Cause I know it's about a, what a two month process for you. It'll be closer to three. three Yeah. Yeah. So if any, if any listeners, right. If any listeners are in the area, be on the lookout for the woodworking shows coming to your area and go look up Tracy and Katrina. If you can and go say hello. You say hi. If, if it looks like we're busy, please interrupt. We really do. I, I heard last year people say that they they came to the show, but we were busy, so they didn't get to stop and say hi. No, interrupt whatever we're doing and say hi. We really, really mean it. We really want to interact and put faces to names. Yeah, right. So that, and as we've talked about before, you know, we we enjoy like being on Instagram and YouTube and see it talking to people that way, but it is way more fun to meet people in person. So yeah. it's fun to be able to make those connections. Like sometimes you've been following somebody for like a year or so and you know, you don't other than what they show on Instagram, you don't know anything about them and then you meet them and that's always a lot of fun. So, yeah. well, awesome. Well, best wishes to you guys and have a lot of fun. And I hope that the shows do really well. And, uh, yeah, I'll I'll look forward to following along and feeling like I'm traveling the East Coast myself while you guys are. You, you can enjoy our um, motel experiences with us. Yes, yes. So that'll be fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, thank you to everyone for listening along. I feel like we. I almost feel like we just kind of dipped our toe in the pool of what this conversation probably is part of, but. It, uh, we'll it was, back around. Yeah, I think we will. And, but it was a really good conversation and please send us your notes and your comments and your, uh, please leave us a review and let us know what you're thinking about the, the podcast and we'll keep trucking along. So. Thanks. And uh, happy new year, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Happy new year's to you guys as well. So, all right. 
And with that, obey the obey the grain podcast is out. Thanks.